Burn. In the cold. The Friday Rock Show. And welcome, it's the Friday Rock Show with your presenter Adrian Byrne and the man to drive the van, Tony Wilson. And this week we're coming to you in a world first, a live broadcast from the North Pole. We're here to highlight global warming and braving the inhospitable conditions. So in order to combat the sub-zero temperatures, we are bringing you some red-hot tunes from Paramore, Kasabian, ACDC, Hoogastank and Blackstone Cherry. Also, Pat Chocolatey performs live in the studio. We also have Gabbler's Sci-Fi Spot, Tasha's Deep Gravy and the latest, latest letters and fun from the listeners. So wrap up and stay tuned. What's up next, Eddie? Green Day.
Yes, indeed. You're listening to the Friday Rock Show, broadcasting live from the North Pole. It's been cold, age, and I went down for a piss and then nearly turned the lights go up in Mickey. Hey. Did the snow go yellow? A bit brown, no. Well, we're broadcasting live from inside the Rock Igloo, here in the inhospitable wastelands of the North Pole. Uh, the BBC thought it would be a good idea, didn't they, Tony, to highlight global warming by sending us as far away as possible. In the to highlight global warming and send us to a place where it's cold. Cold, I tell you. Do you think it's getting warm? up here uh, uh, I don't know I've never been up here before this is our first time <laughs> first, first time, time ever. I tell you the first time in Brest Bay the first time in Silver Strand <laughs> I love it there's a big fucking polar bear outside Aisling really you want your autograph are they dangerous <laughs> they're what they're are religious they <laughs> they're religious <laughs> are they dangerous <laughs> after when they show you out to eat again they're not like the, the Coca-Cola ads where they're all cute and fluffy and... Ah, ah Jesus. Well, anyway, anyway, what's coming up tonight, I suppose I'll tell you what's coming up on tonight's show. We've got our friend Pat Shockensy all the way up to the North Pole. Tell ya, he didn't want to get out of bed this morning, but I think he's glad he did. So he's going to be playing us uh, a few tunes live here in the Rock Igloo. We're going to have some facts, facts about the pole from yep. the Tash. The Tash man's coming in on a steep gradient. <laughs> the Tash man will get you. The Tash man cometh. Yeah, it's not all fun and games up here in the North Pole. There's a serious side to this too. And <laughs> Tash will be giving us the facts in a series of snippets called The Steep Gradient. So now, Aileen, let us be no further than you. It's the letters. Hey, Tony, guess what? I feel like Santa Claus reading letters in the North Pole. <laughs> hey! Are you going to be not here nice? All right, Ooh. then. Let's, let's rock joxers. Just what do they bring to the table? Who? Tell me. Who? All I ever heard is about lads who have found the one in a million or the soulmate. What's wrong with them? I don't know. Are they blind to the first bit of crust after a drought, thinking she's the answer to dreams, and stick with it until the bitter end? Ah, the bitches he's talking about, is he? Ah, right. ah yeah. yeah. This is the kind of letter we like. Many a man's foundered on the rocks. Of the bitches <laughs> Not you Tony Not me I'm sailing high Happily married After all these years With me long hair again Long in your age And your body cunt My story begins in Rome I was in the hotel Relaxing with thoughts Of Natasha Kaplinsky On 5 News Is she still there I don't know how long ago This was written Did two were off At some brothel Wasn't for me I grabbed a tissue oh. <laughs> I heard later one lad was jamming the one up the grizzly bits with his pipe and she gave him his number after that and everything that dirty bastard I couldn't be doing with that now listen I'm not of the other persuasion or anything All right, so I you're just not- don't feel that I need to express my fondness for the female flesh by choking the throttle in a meat parlour there's a phase in that every man's life and it comes and then it goes again Speaking for yourself, Tony. (laughs) 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 However, I did get the rise from Nazi Kate Winslet as she tailed down the young lad in that film of hers. But that's as far as it goes. What film was that? That was the the Adobe at the reader. All right. Didn't see that one. You see, I haven't had a proper girlfriend in 15 years. Am I hideous? Don't think so. Am I fat? No. I go to the gym. (laughs) No. I go to the gymtastic down the road. Am I cruel and a bastard? Far from it. He's lazy. I just don't project the killer instinct or the wherewithal to invite the female of the species. You don't know no English, do you? Well, you well, go you to the North Pole and speak in anyway. I'll have to get an English teacher. <laughs> I know, lad. Good for the race. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a successful young man with his own house, car and a 
stable job. <laughs> Own house car and stable. I'm well travelled and I have a healthy dislike of Manchester United. The last time I interacted in a sexual nature with another human being was with an American girl. She was friends with another one who was dating a friend of mine when they all met in Rome that time. No, she wasn't uh, the hooker, but a student <laughs> who met us randomly in a pub and quickly had sex with one of the guys back at her apartment. Now that lad, he's one for dribbling the tongue and getting his oats, so he had them back at the house as quick as they were off on the plane. <laughs> they came to visit. <laughs> we took him to the stag's head. My friend's giving the usual jaw jaw and I'm just enjoying the atmosphere. Jaw jaw! He invites him back to my house and scuttles the other one away to a room and I'm left with a 19 year old, half my size, sucking on a sweet and sour sausage. Jesus! I asked her did she enjoy the pub. She looks at me like a dog <laughs> wanting you to open the pedigree chum. How was I to know the sign? She asked to see my room. I said sure. We went upstairs. Oh, I just get dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say she was very small? We passed the other room where sounds of no. the Serengeti were being reproduced. This made the girl stop and look up to me and swallowed the last chip from the bag. She took my hand. I smiled and held back the sudden urge to use the bathroom. Had I had a shower today? Had I clean sheets? Had I clean, clean Mickey? This was also immediate. She closed over the door and pushed me onto the bed. The howler monkeys next door spurred her on to lift up her top to expose a bra. Mm. I hadn't seen a the live first one. First bra, the Friday out tonight. First of many, we hope. I hadn't seen a live one on a woman since secondary school. Air Tony, shut the windows there. It's freezing. <laughs> that rocking glue has been constructed fully. <laughs> there is an awful draft. There's Them labour builders bastards on holiday. As a result, I became inarticulate and awkward not knowing where to put my hands and how to help her. She seemed unaffected and began to strip. Yes! She was American! She was a pixie, unbuttoning this and then tying that and driving a small heel into my hairy gut. Oh. That double bacon cheeseburger repeated. Nearly knocked her unconscious. But that still didn't deter her. She wanted more? There she was in the harsh light of a 100 watt bulb with no shade. And <laughs> the man she knows class. fantastic. But was this transmitted down below? Would this tight-bodied American cheerleader with corkscrew blonde hair engorge my manhood with a massive intent? Would she? No! Why? Of course not. I know. He was nowhere to be seen. What? Nothing. What? He was in shock. Jesus. Stage struck. He was unable to comprehend the usual turn of events in this most usual of places. Jesus. She looked gorgeous. He looked despondent. <laughs> Shy and withdrawn. A complete and utter flabulent failure. She's tossed him this way and that, wobbled him about like a dead trout on a wet slab, but he was dead. Murdered by her fear and excitement Sorry, all at the same time. <laughs> iceberg, I chewed my knuckles and looked away. <laughs> she gave up and rested her legs either side of my depressed limp mass, and I thought of better days. She soon fell asleep. Too much alcohol in a young girl has this effect. So it said. I stared at the ceiling, angry, cursing myself as beyond the wall the headboard was slapping away in a loud masterly achievement. Oh, oh the bastard legs. Oh my god. How inadequate was this guy feeling? The blonde hair beneath my chin flopped off to the side as her naked body fell away to rest. Oh. Oh. I'm getting the horn just oh, reading yeah. it. Go outside, get outside. Pull you down. Where's the polar bear, Tony? <laughs> the bulb shone bare at her smooth skin. Her ass was pert and inviting. And would you believe it? As this what? sweet urchin snored, guess who was staring up at me in all his glory? What? Yes, oh. of course, here he was. What? On duty. The man. Going to put out the fire long after the heat had distinguished. What a guy. I was now in my room relaxing with thoughts of, I what? couldn't wake her up, could I? What? what if she didn't want it? I mean, what if I just... But... But she's drunk. Huh? No. Huh. I looked up at the ceiling again, hey. turned off the light, sighed, and took a tissue from the bedside drawer. She slept. I shed a tear. 
And that was that. Next day, with grins and sideways glances of tree hungover fools downstairs at the kitchen table, I had a masterstroke in the shower. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I came to the conclusion. This. Them. Those. those women. women. Ah! They're too much work. Too much forethought. Too much everything. everything. My life is just too comfortable to be bothered by the mind games. Chasing. Preening. preening. And bullshit. Fuck the breasts and tits and big dopey smiles. I clench my fist at the lot of them. Ah! I'd rather have a Saturday afternoon on the couch listening to the football than be out at the zoo or shopping in the centre. On and on for 40 years. Till they bury you or you them. them. Seriously. Just what do they bring to the table? I don't know. I think some of us are just destined to live happily without the hassle. Please play some System of Down. Yours contentedly, Paolo in Felcherstown. Felcherstown, oh, Paolo. What's wrong with you, Paolo? She <laughs> was lying there with the arse cocked to you, wanting it. Blonde corkscrew hair, ruby red lips, pert breasts. Why? You could be here in our pole with us, with nothing. Frustrated, angry, freezing. You know something? You know what's wrong with you, Paolo? It's ignorance. <laughs>
There you go, that was Paramore with their brand new signal Ignorance from the forthcoming album Brand New Eyes, released in September 2009. Yes! Miley Cyrus swine flu virus Twits and twats and nanobots Sexting, hacking, Stephen Hawking Namarana Hannah Montana. The Friday Rock Show. I like that. And I tell you that one out from Paramore, she'd melt the polar ice caps, wouldn't she? I tell yeah. you, if I put some ice on top of my oh. nobular, I tell you, it would, 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 it would. So how are we doing? How are we, how are we coping with the North Pole, Tony? <laughs> are you wearing uh, like thermal underwear? I've got me long johns on. Did Maggie uh, knit us some special Friday Rock Show jocks? But she knit me my nice hat. Every time we have a Friday Rock Show, she knits me a hat, and I wear one. Look at it, North Powell. You don't, you don't appreciate her, Tony. No, she's the best wife in the world. How do you know? Because she, you know her, yeah. She made. I'm the producer. <laughs> I produce everything. Not you. Not her. Okay, Tony. Me. Okay. Hi, music vendors. You know the way a man bounces back from his mistakes? Probably tells you more about demand and how he balls up in the first place. That's right. That's not good, good wisdom. <laughs> That's good wisdom uh. indeed. It's karaoke. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Smell lager off it. No, I'm not. Made the teetotaler. I have to fly the little ski plane back. <laughs> Get us out of the North Pole. I'd say sober. It's Karaoke King Alberto here, lads. And you know, lads, I've made a few mistakes in my time. From volunteering to play bongo with the legendary Jagger lad in Garage Flower, to my recent run-in with the law to name but a couple. Jagger, now there's a name we haven't heard since about a year ago. What's he been up to? Maybe we'll find out later. <laughs> Not very many years ago, I was the main man in the music scene in Rathdrum. Well, yeah. One of my contemporaries was the enigmatic DJ Bernie. DJ? DJ Bernie? Mmm. Is that you, DJ Bernie, or is another DJ Bernie? Even his cultured choice of music and dulcet tones were no match for the charisma of Alberto and the audience participation fun involved in good old-fashioned karaoke nights. Ah. With the competition vanquished, I treaded the boards of the railway house all weekend long. I sang my little heart out for those harassed mothers who escaped for one night and for whom this was probably the highlight of their week. I sang for the younger ones who had neither the money nor the brains to organise a way out of this town. <laughs> for all of them I sang and I gave it my all. Give it the welly! Holly. Fair fucks to y'all yes. Well, anyway, I'd sing a couple of tunes and then I'd head out the back for a few smokes and some beer while the people go up and murder their own songs. <laughs> Being a single man, I could shamelessly use a bit of flirtation to enhance my act. And they laughed it up. Scaring me. Hold it, me. It can't get in. The rocking looks strong. <laughs> yes. Never surrender. I built up quite a loyal female following. But it wasn't all girls. Anybody looking for a crowd and a bit of life would come to the karaoke. That's how I met young Cassius Burke. Cassius Burke! Well, he was probably 10 years younger than me. Fresh face and just out of secondary school, he was all alcohol and attitude. First, he would come up to me and ask if he could sing some Garth Brooks songs. Garth Brooks? How the hell did that like Garth Brooks? No one should like Garth Brooks. He should be certified fucking insane if he liked Garth Brooks. He should Brooks. be shot. Shot with a ball of his yeah, own shite. Right. But after a while, we built up some banter until suddenly one night he confessed that he liked boys. Oh, oh dear. They're aliens. <laughs> he was of a different generation to me, for this was very much a taboo subject when I was growing up. The pow subject. <laughs> If the townsfolk got a whip, a little bit of heart and soul. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What are you saying? There's a let go around here. It's the I feel. I feel like I'm on quantum leap. I've just fell into the past. Oh, quick! Do you hear it, dear? It's coming for you. Red hole. 
If the townsfolk got a whiff that you were gay, they would most likely take you out into the village square and put you in the stocks. There they would pelt you with rotten turnips and force you to watch Baywatch until you turned straight again. David Hasselhoff! Cassius bragged to me of the young lads he had scored with. Some of the names shocked me, as I would know them to see. <laughs> I felt filled with jealousy at how he openly flouted his stories, like how he had stuck his tongue in Ulton Sherlock's mouth down in the Memorial Park. Oh, the dirty lad. Until you hear the front rocks, so we like to be open and even with everybody. So I guess that's why we're having a tonight. Cassius then asked me outside, as if he knew what I had kept hidden for so long. I liked a bit of arse too. Oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> This should be filtered. Filter for dart! This is like Broken Sack Mountain. Maybe there is such a thing as a gay dar. Or maybe it was because I love singing so many Queen and Scissor Sister songs. I don't know, but I was filled full of sexual excitement at the thoughts of going outside with him. There was a church almost directly across from the pub where we could escape to and not be seen. <laughs> we headed for the graveyard at the back. Spooky, oh. but a good excuse to hold each other tight. I can't get enthusiastic about this. Cassius made the first move, but after my initial nervous hesitation, I soon got into it. Things were getting hot and heavy until we were interrupted by the blinding glare of torchlight in my face. Fucking right! It was Officer Richie Gilbert, along with Officer Dwyer, who was brand new to the village. Dwyer had a disturbing glint in his eye. They do them, lads! What in heaven's name do you think you were doing, boy? Exclaimed Richie. I was trying to catch the gurriers who'd been vandalizing the headstones, but I ended up witnessing this blasphemy! Alberto, you're old enough to know better. But you, young Cassius. Maybe we should take Cassius down to the station with us, said Dwyer. We need to set him straight. And that sounds a bit twisted. I just ran as fast as my legs would carry me back across the road, burning red with the embarrassment. That night I sang Bohemian Rhapsody, probably better than I ever had before in my whole life. But gossip. Where'd you get this air from? <laughs> Did I open this? Did I touch this with my hands? You could turn gay. Just by touching it. <laughs> I'm scared. Hold me. I have you, Tony. <laughs> we need. We must hold the safe here the Rocky Glow? Close. Okay, keep out the cold. make warmer as well. Our body heat will keep us warm. You smell funny. <laughs> but gossip about what happened with Cassius and myself. Why am I shouting so aggressively? Yeah, <laughs> I'm reasserting my masculinity. Oh, masculinity. <laughs> but gossip about what had happened with Cassius and myself in the graveyard got out. Next week at the karaoke, the pub was nearly empty. Gone! Just I overheard the bar manager hastily calling DJ Burley to book him for the following Saturday night. <laughs> the illusion of karaoke King Alberto serenading the women of the village had been shattered. Forever. <gasps> I fled into the wilderness of Balneclash, never intending to return again. There, I began my many years of exile, becoming a virtual recluse. <laughs> Contact with myself and the outside world was minimal. <laughs> Only for the Sunday world on a Saturday. Pondering my existence filled in a lot of my time. I became a scholar of Buddhism and practiced stone levitation. My hair became fuzzy and messy. <laughs> there you go, Tony. Just ah, like you. Ah, yeah. I had grown an unruly beard. No, he's not like you. You haven't got a beard. Not yet. <laughs> that was until one day I spoke to a wise man who imparted some ancient knowledge to me that would set me free. I made one of my rare visits into the village to get some food supplies. There I bumped into a young man called Joey the Lips Tanner. Almost peering through my beard and hair, he said to me, Alberto, is that you? It is, I replied. What have you been up to? The town could do with you over the weekends. I can never return, I explained. The whole incident with young Burke has put me to shame. Ah, you're worrying too much about it. What you need to do is deal with it. The way George Michael did or something. He managed to get everyone back on his side. On his backside? Tanner's words hit me hard and fast. Just like a good kick in the ball. Yeah, he was right. That's what they need. When George got caught flagellating himself in the public toilets, he just laughed it off. I jumped back on my bicycle and tore home. Oh. 
Actually, the first thing I did was it's ring like the manager up right away. House pub. It's, yeah. Al- it's Alberto. I said. It's your turn to return. return. Very good, Tony. I like it. I like it. They go back end. They were delighted. Bollocks. <laughs> he can't read. You're dyslexic. Have you developed dyslexia? Stop shouting at me. Shut the fucking window. I can't hear myself think. <laughs> You're in the North Pole, I see. Button it up. Close the arsehole to the wind. Shut up. <laughs> Get on with it. The interest to return of Alberto, the karaoke king, could generate, could be phenomenal. They immediately booked me in the following week. I cut my hair and shaved off my beard. Well, most of it anyway. I decided to leave a handlebar moustache. I know the style, like. This was such a brilliant idea. It was going to be the best karaoke night ever. Ever? Yes, and tell it. Stop <laughs> talking. talking. Stop shouting at me. I tell you. I fucking tell you if you stop shouting at me. That's how I know. I took the gear in and set it up. The old excitement came flooding back. It was like I had never been away. Just before showtime, I had added the piece de resistance. What did you do? I had hired a police officer outfit from the costume shop. Did you? I headed out into the pub to the thumping beat of Outside oh by God, George Michael. Outside. Cassius father, Satanta Burke was at the bar. His slack jaw dropped to the floor. Let's go outside in the moonshine. I sang, take me to the places that I love best. Tanner was rushing up to me, making a cut gesture to his neck. And yes, I've been in bed. The lyrics went. It felt almost confessional. Doctor, won't you do with me what you can? Satanta looked angry. He was having a very heated discussion with best mate Chainsaw Kelly. Tanner was shouting in my ear. Alberto, that night you were caught in the graveyard. Well, young Cassius had the rubber glove treatment by Richie's new officer. Cavity search, I thought. Why? Satanta and Chainsaw had just lowered their points and were heading for the stage. Poor Cassius got more than a latex-covered finger up his hole that night. Tanner tells me. It turns out the new officer was as bent as a butcher's hook. No way! Oh, no! And here I was, dressed up as a camp police officer, trusting my pelvis and looking to head outside for love. My throat muscles contracted and my voice went baritone. Dancing on the D-train, baby. My sphincter muscles loosened. Oh, I'm sure they did. Satanta and Chainsaw barred their way up on the stage. My truncheon dropped limply to the floor. Do you think you're funny, do ya? My son was traumatised. Come here, you little pervert. Oh, no! Punches rained down on top of me. There was a sound of squealing feedback and crashing glass. I hit the ground. Women screamed. The bar manager roared. And Satanta and Chainsaw grunted expletives with every kick. Oh, bloodery. Brutal. Bloodery. Bloodery in the railway house. When I woke up, Officer Ritchie was standing over me with smelling salts. Somebody managed to get himself a couple of taps. He said to me dryly. Ritchie explained to me that Cassius was a little confused at the time and had just been experimenting. That Officer Dwyer had definitely been gay, though, and thought he could take advantage of young Cassius down at the station. The dirty drill holer! Cassius had only just dropped the trousers for a cavity search when Dwyer had rammed the bald bishop up his chocolate pipe. <laughs> no! The traumatic experience had made up Cassius' mind on which team he was batting for. I tell you! Turns out he has a pregnant girlfriend and everything now. Dwyer got transferred to the traffic division where he could fuck motorists up the arse every day and get paid for it. Anyways, this all explained how I had accidentally provoked Satanta's violent assault on me. So lads, you're probably wondering what I learned from my ability to bounce back. Well, maybe not to jump in and get a little more information before the next time I decide to dress up like a member of the YMCA and gyrate suggestively around a redneck bar. Uh. For now, I'm going to return to my lonely exile to a wood hut in Banla Clash. There, I'm going to spend my time listening to the Leiher Beatles albums and tapping the bongos. It's a hell of a lot safer. Back to nature. Yeah, Just human, human nature. nature. Yours, Karaoke King Alberto. Oh, oh Jesus, hey. Alberto. Hey, how did you get away with it, though? They were bloody murdering him. Ah, he'd failed him. To be fair, he'd failed him. He, he did. did. He didn't know. Like, he, did, he, he did deserve an old tap. He did. Bit of a tap now. Doesn't do anybody a try. You get an old tap there every now and again, do you? No. Unless Stevie G's there. Yeah. And then he'd gladly do it. He'd say, he'd come and dig up with the uppercut. He'd come up to me and say, hey, 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 take off that paramour, mate. 
I want to hear something about DJ Fiesta. I tell you. Anyway, Alberto, this is for you. And something that Satanta Burke and his mate Chainsaw Kelly might have had. A fast fuse. This is the Friday Rock Show, live from the North Pole with Adrian and Tony. Hello! Yes, yes, yes. Rocket is live here on the melting, shifting platters of gently cooled ice. <laughs> and as we speak right now, the sun is setting over the uh, polar landscape. Whoa. Look at the 
look at the green lads in the sky. But it's quite interesting when we were having a look around today, we could see some of the the glaciers just breaking away into the sea. I'm telling you, stop being a carbon criminal. Cut out the, those fucking diesel, petrol guzzling fucking engines. Stop wasting electricity. Recycle. Roll it on. Yeah, don't be fucking spraying the links up every day. You're ruining the planet. <laughs> What's coming up next, Eugene? There's loads in the show. What's now? Well, uh, he was a big success on their last show and uh, Pat Shockensy has kindly volunteered to travel all the way to the North Pole to play us some live music. So ladies and gentlemen, take it away, Mr. Pat Shockensy. Ladies and gentlemen, is ice. Ice thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the opener on tonight's show. That was Ice Nine by Joe Satriani from Italy. Thanks a million, Pat. That's brilliant! For your superb rendition of Ice Nine. And I get what you're doing there. It's a very topically themed music. Ice is the theme. It's actually oh. it's subtly implied there in the song. I knew it. I copped on. And Pat, I'm loving that duffel coat you have on there. Okay, coming up next we have Tash with his first of five segments tonight of Steep Gradient. They're going to tell us all about the North Pole. Yep. Listeners, so you're going to be absolutely made aware of what's happening. These are bite-sized info bursts about the North Pole. Friday Rock Show's summer special to global warming. Geography. Actually... Norman Tash. Wow. Now, are you paying attention? Hello, this is Norman Tash, and in conjunction with the Friday Rock Show, I welcome you to Steep Gradient here at the North Pole. Hopefully by the end of our time together, you will come to fully appreciate this excellent of geographical issues. Now, speaking of good time, 
In most places on Earth, local time is roughly synchronizable to the position of the sun in the sky. Yeah, right. Oh, yes. Thus, at midday, the sun is roughly at its highest. Yes, now, this method ultimately fails at the North Pole, <laughs> where the sun is continuously in the sky for six months. Wow. Now, ugh, there is no permanent human presence on the North Pole, and no particular time zone has been assigned. Polar expeditions may use any time zone that is convenient, such as closing time, lunch time, or Miller time. Lazy dash, dash, for you and me. Dash, dash, geography. Steep gradient, glaciation, boiling planet, liquidization. Everything you need to know about the North Pole, you can find out tonight here on the Friday Rock Show on the Steep Gradient. So keep listening, there's more to come from Tash later. We're at the North Pole, lads! And it's fucking freezing! Yes! yes! It's there to warm us up! Howie's lads, Baldy here. Herds are going up the north. Don't blame you. It's a mess here. There's no money anymore. And I can't get it up. Ha! I saw Mrs. Jones across the way wiping the tits clean of the soapy dew as I stood with me flog on the kitchen counter. Not a story of him. Best days are behind him, I think. Wouldn't even look at me. All limp and forlorn he was. I've even moved into the main tree. What's left of it? I had to be sure. It's that bad. <laughs> I had to be sure. <laughs> Another lad with flog problems. Jesus oh, Christ. Just lining all the flogs up here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Only last year I was in the Apostolic Palace in Rome, lads. Remember? I do. I remember that, Izzy. Me and the Pope were talking about Candlemas CDs, and then he dropped Stone Dead in the count of his big tooth. Then I had been chosen, chiselled and chosen into becoming the new Pope. Baldy El Papa. Me, Baldy, the Pope, the leader of a billion. Me balls were in the hands of the Covenant of Cardinal, lads. I remember that, Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> they dressed me up in some big frock, initiated me on the QT, sending me to hear confessions in St. Peter's Spasmati in the Vatican. We had me clerical robes and the seal on me ring. <laughs> They pushed me down the hall into the vesper to prepare to hear them <laughs> tell the truths. The truths? The truths. Well, that's what they told me. So I played along, lads. Becky had disappeared to join the Frank sisters. I started to kill the Pope, and these crusty cardinals had wanted me to replace him. Christ, lads, it was a baptism of fire, I can tell you. I did have a problem with me wearing the sandals they were offering, though. So we compromised, and I kept my Doc Martens on. I hate sandals! Made a queer noise as I ran across the marble floor to get into the box. But I was nervous, lads. They had the priest come up in the confessional, so we so were talking me through the Hail Hitlers or whatever I needed to say. Ah, oh, yeah. I sat in. It was fierce quiet, except for a flock of fuckers in my ear hole advising sacraments and chastity. Suddenly, the door creaked open. My first customer, Baldy and the Confessors. It had begun. The person sat in, in, in across from me, veiled by the velvet. They told me not to look. Sure, I had to look. Like, how can you not look at someone when they're speaking? Mammy didn't bring me up to be that ignorant, like. But lads, it was a girl. A girl? Me first confessor. She spoke soft as margarine on a well-oiled arse. I was in a dream, lads. Her tones undulated rhythmically, in and out, up and down, swirling through my consciousness. Like Peter Pan, drunk on the way home to Daniel Day-Lewis's from the Dandies in Green Anne, huh? Ha! She was making no sense. She wanted forgiveness for herself on account of her dumping her mildly retarded boyfriend on holiday, whom she only dated because he had a car, who drummed on ironically at every chance, advising her what she should do in life, and would eat all her food, not waiting to ask her when she was finished. It was him, she said, who drove her to run away to another more spiritual life here in Rome. She wanted forgiveness for him, she said. She said she had to do what was right. Well, how could she ask for forgiveness, I thought, if she still thinks it was right to dump the other lad? What's there to forgive? So I asked her, I said, Listen, my child, what do you want forgiveness when you don't think you did anything wrong? The cardinals groaned in the ear hole. The young one across the box answered, Excuse me? 
me, father? I said, what do you want forgiveness when you don't forgive the other lad first? And what did he do wrong anyway? As far as I see it, he sounds like he was the victim, bullied by some unreasonable, stupid bitch. <laughs> me ear hole squealed in shock, then went stone dead. She gasped, silenced then. Baldy? Is that you? Huh? Becky? What the fuck? Fuck, lad! A arm it came blowing through! Without warning, a strong arm thrust itself through the curtain and drove me straight to the jaw. But it wasn't Becky. I was yanked out of the box like a newborn thrown to the ground. It was the men in black, lads. The men in black! Lights in me face. Being jostled from arm to arm. A camera lens. A flash. Old lads looking angry. It was like being at a DC <laughs> concert. Actually, Days later, after being deported back to Ratrum, I heard that Judge Gianluigi Moroni said in an interview with the Vatican newspaper Le Osservatore Romano that I had clerical robes and documents and all. He said I was being tried by the Vatican Tribunal but would not reveal the verdict or any punishment. Judge Moroni said I was... Claimed I was a priest. No, I shouted at the pages of the Daily Star. I wasn't a priest. I was the fucking Pope. The Pope, he says. Bali was a Pope, is he? It read, he was caught by surprise in the Basilica while he was trying to take his place in a confessional. He was wearing a clerical garb, but the expert eye of our personnel didn't need much to sense something strange in his behaviour. Yeah. The documents in Vatican Pass appeared legitimate, but checks with Italian authorities unmasked him. Judge Moroni said, as having posed as a gobshite, it was a case of usurping an ecclesiastical title, and thus he was tried by our tribunal, he said. Jesus Christ, Polly was found out! Sure, they only sent me home, lads. Those papers exaggerate everything. The Cardinals were just having some fun, letting off some steam on account of the Pope falling stone dead earlier in the day. And so here I am, back from the holidays, on the dole, no girlfriend, having the hardener seen a Becky since, and eating a Yorkie reading the Daily Star with me limp vlog. Just like it used to be, huh? <laughs> All the best up north, lads. He's a better off. Mind you don't pick up a penguin. <laughs> pick up a penguin, yeah. Get it. <laughs> Yours, Baldy, Main Street. Go, Baldy! Bali. Ah, Bali. That was an epic 15 year long story! What an arc! What, what an end to that tale, It huh? started off with him on a Bali traveller, heading down to Gori and the Hamper, and Court Town, and then he off to Italy, and now he's back again! Back in the main street with a Yorkie and a copy of the Daily Star. Just like how it should be. Next on the Friday Rock Show, live from the North Pole, we have music from Hoobastank. And this one's called My Turn, the brand new single.
Listening to Adrian Byne and Tony Wilson. Just take, take off the jacket. The jacket the mummy made me there. Now, okay, lads. The next one is a, a rap song for you from the 1980s, and it's called Ice Ice Baby, and it's by Vanilla Ice. Yay, and here we go. Ice, if I can get this all right on the guitar. Okay, you ready, Jack? Seamus. Let's kick it. Ice Ice Baby. Woo. All right, stop collaborating, listen. Ice back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Follow like a harpoon, daily and nightly. Will it ever stop you? I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow. To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up a station, I can bristles like a candle. Oh. the speaker that booms I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom Deadly when I play a dope melody Anything less than the best is felony Love it or leave it, you better gain weight You better hit the bulls boy, the kids don't play If there was a problem you'll solve it, check the hook with my DJ revolver Woo! Ice, ice, baby Yes! Ice, ice, baby, vanilla. Ice, ice, baby, a brunch. Ice, ice, baby, a chocolate ice. Ice, ice, baby. That's a look. I'll have an ice cool pop there, lads. Thank you very much. That was the vanilla ice and ice, ice, baby. Wow, the shocking Sorry to interrupt, darling, but I think the baby's crying. Do you think you could? No, no. I'm listening to the Brady Rock Show. It's BBC Radio 1, it's the Friday Rock Show, Excellent. live from the North Pole. 18, yeah. DJ Bernie, and me, the man in the van, Tony, Tony Wilson. Wilson. Go on, yeah, good thing there. There you go, we just had a Pat there showing his versatility, doing a little bit of rapping on Ice Ice Baby, quite Brilliant. appropriate really, for the North Pole, where me and Tony are freezing our nuts off. Absolutely, more from back coming up later on, by the way. Mm. 
Pat will be back and stay tuned also for more of Tasha's steep gradients with everything you need to know about the North Pole and should know really <laughs> <laughs> also we've still plenty of great music left before we uh, finally call it a day and clamber into our little sleeping bags and try snuggle them together <laughs> try not to <laughs> freeze to death it's tonight. a rocky glue tonight but anyway let's keep it going next up it's a letter, letter! Uh, I just remember standing there thinking, this is my happy ending. This was how things were meant to turn out. The journey was complete. What was complete? What? Who? I'm interested makes, now. Makes sense. <laughs> this is like a novel. But all journeys have beginnings, lads. This particular section of it began as I was returning on a flight home from Norway. You said, ah. Pe, pe, pe. <laughs> this, I was returning from a pilgrimage to the birthplace of my hero, Martin Harkett. I didn't even read that. There I had been unsuccessful in meeting the great man. Ah. I journeyed to Kongsberg and Asker. Yeah. But the closest I got was hanging out with his brother, Gunvald. He was yeah, a Yeah, did you actually have a brother called Gunvald? He does! <laughs> he was a reclose, so I was quite lucky. But you met the man of your dreams! This is good stuff, Busher. But perhaps because of my similarity and reclusive nature, we struck up a strong bond. We ended up spending quite a lot of time together, just hanging out and having a laugh. During our many hours together, we <laughs> talked about our different lives, and he described me as the best and most dedicated AHA fan he'd ever met. To me, Gunvald was one of the nicest and most interesting men I had ever met. He would do anything for you. Oh, I love that man. Unfortunately, like all good things, the time with him came to an end. But on my journey home, I felt a wave of contentedness wash over me. The know me had travelled to far-flung lands. I'd spoke to people I'd never imagined I would ever would, even in my wildest daydreams, as I toiled away in the wool store. <laughs> hey, Smelly! On the flight, I read the second book in the Illuminatus trilogy to find out more about the justified agents of Momo. That book is shy. <laughs> As I was going through the arrivals gate, passengers off a flight from Mexico also came through. Going to collect my, my baggage, a small tan man bumped into me. Sorry, I said with a nervous, stupid laugh and a habitual spit. <laughs> the guy sneezed violently on me. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. It was only as I sat in my uncle's car on the way home that it dawned on me. The radio was full of hysterical reporting on the pandemic of swine flu, which had originated in Mexico. In fact, I directed a statue to the honour the boy who had died with the first case of swine flu. <laughs> Little fucker. Why was he roaming around with pigs anyway? I don't touch animal meat. I hate it. It's why I'm a vegan. A what? Horrible nasty germs make me paranoid too. The thought of this was starting to make me feel ill. What if that Mexican guy had given me the swine flu? My uncle offered me a crisp. All I could see was his fat, greasy fingers clutching the packet. I declined. Yeah, you do right though. Can't be too careful these days, AJ. No. You know, if a stranger with a long coat on the street offered me a sweet, I'd walk the other way. You should be wearing a mask. Sometimes I do though. <laughs> Outside the girls' school. As soon as I got home... You're sick! <laughs> as soon as I got home, I ran inside and threw the bomber jacket that, that had been sneezed on into the fire. I was in such a hurry, I forgot to take me bag out of my uncle's car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was your... was, what did he look like, Mr. Stretch? <laughs> he offered me out the car in his bag, 14 feet away. <laughs> I don't think that's what he meant, Tony. Oh, was There's that... queer tin around here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying Read on you <laughs> cunt When I switched on Sky News There was Kay Burley Warning us <laughs> When I switched on Sky News There was Kay Burley Warning us all about swine flu I was determined not to catch she it She gave you the swine flu Just looking at her Running around the cold sweat I made sure all the windows and doors Were locked and curtains drawn That's it I needed to relax 
Like when you're putting on the Tory Amos DVD. <laughs> Out came my old tobacco box and I rolled up a joint to soothe my nerves. I flicked through the TV. All the news channels had scary graphics in the background of the swine flu virus <laughs> magnified millions of times. So I flicked to the movie channels. There was Dustin Hoffman wearing a chemical suit and virus. <laughs> Children's TV. Peppa Pig. Pig. Switched to the music channels. All I could see was Biohazard, GJ Virus, Anthrax. Help me. There's a knock at the door. It's me ma. Can't answer the door. There's a chance she may have it. Or maybe I have it. I could give it to me poor old ma. She used to be so young and strong. But now, now it could kill her. She pushes a roast dinner plate covered in tin foil through Ginger's cat flap and goes. <laughs> I can't eat it. She's been breathing on it. Ginger's arse comes through that cat flap. I lie on the ground in the fetal position, falling quickly into a sleep. Lunchtime the next day, I awake to a bang on the door. What's going on? Me joints are aching. Ha! Huh? Perhaps it's a symptom of the swine flu. It's Daddy, on his way back up from watching the match in the pub. He wants to talk to me about it, but he's come from the pub, which was probably full of sweaty, farty men, hacking and coughing and pissing standing up, <laughs> the spray going everywhere. I can't open the door. Grabbing an old football scarf, I put it over my mouth and tie it around my neck. <laughs> A cup of tea and some fags, they'll make me feel better. The news is full of schools closing, numbers of the infected ever increasing. It's reported that even the wind can take the virus to far-flung corners of the earth. Even the North Pole? Ah! Oh, no! I decided to stay in the house. Hold me. <laughs> I need a mask. I decided to stay in the house and avoid any human contact until it has passed. Cigarettes and tea will keep me going. Days pass. Not sure how many. I'm starting to feel weak. I'm sweating and I feel awful. Pet! My throat was dry and raw and my stomach ached. My worst fears were beginning to materialise. The flu has got a grip on me. I needed to get that medicine, Tammy flu, to treat my illness. But where can I get them? I don't want to leave the house. Could my friend Nibbler get me Tammy flu? He could get all the illegal drugs, so this shouldn't be a problem. I call Nibbler and to my relief he tells me, no problem, he'll drop a boy at 11 tonight. When he arrives, I make him drop it through the letterbox. He tells me that the other, from the other side of the door that he hears my family have become extremely worried. They haven't seen me in days and have not been answering the door or my phone calls. I've been too embarrassed to take any calls. They might just laugh at me worrying so much about the swine flu. Better ring me mad though, just to pour her mind at ease. What has it do? The battery dies. Oh no, the charger was in the bag I left in my uncle's car. No time to worry about that though. I had to take the pills and fight this infection. Alarm bells rang through me though, as the pills were blue, and not the yellow and white ones I'd seen on the news. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I could do now though, Nibbler was gone. All I could do was take them and hope for the best. And soon after, I did start to feel better. A pleasant numbness washed over me. I carried my weakened body to bed, but sleep didn't come. There were bright lights outside my bedroom window. I peeked out through the curtains and could see cameras and industrial lights. What's going on? I think the media had descended on the neighbourhood. Maybe, ah. maybe the whole town had come down with the swine flu. Everybody's going down with the flu. It was Kay Burley there, was Dropping she? like flies. Dropping was she like there with her man Mickey on her? <laughs> I lay back down, but I was tormented with a ferocious horn. <laughs> my initial thoughts were right. That bastard nibbler had given me Viagra. All night it wouldn't go away and it kept me awake. Jesus Christ, you, you and your eyes and it pointing at the ceiling. <laughs> Morning came and I couldn't stand it anymore. I guess not. I needed relief. Unfortunately, I'd lent all my porn, DVDs and magazines to Bernie across the road and I wasn't risking going out there to get. The camera people had drawn a bit of a crowd. What could I use to get off on? 
Then I remembered another one of my uncles had lent me a DVD of his honeymoon. Oh, Jesus. My auntie Ellen, who he married, was a big girl like, but she was alright like, and there were some bits on the DVD with her in a swimsuit on the beach. I forwarded the DVD till I got to that bit and grabbed me box of tissues. Stripping down to me socks, scarf and baseball cap, I started to stroke the spam javelin enthusiastically. I was briefly distracted by Ginger, who I hadn't seen since I got back, returning and nuzzling my leg. As I was about to come, Take On Me started blasting from a PA system set up outside. Uh. This was surreal, and it nearly put me off my stroke. Oh Ellen, Auntie Ellen, I started to splurge. Bang! The door was kicked in. Oh yeah, oh Jesus! Musher, Musher, are you in there? My uncle, followed by my dad, burst into the sitting room. Ginger shot back out. I sat frozen, member in hand. Oh my God, what are you doing here? My uncle was splashing my aunt with cold sea water on the 40 inch LCD screen. Is he here? Oh great! I heard a strange woman say, No, you can't let them in here. Too late. All three members of AHA walked into my living room, followed by a camera crew. Oh, uh, hi, Busher. My name is Morton uh, of AHA. Oh, my word. Morton said as he walked in, He was really here. They were really here. There was silence. Then another head popped around the door, puzzled by the sudden silence. It was my Bonnie from Barcelona. Oh, <laughs> the love of my life I'd met on holidays in a pizza. I covered my bits with a baseball bat and ran past everyone up the <laughs> baseball bat. I covered my bits with my baseball hat and I ran past everyone and up the stairs, slamming the door behind me. I quickly pulled on some clothes and a couple of minutes later, Bonnie followed me. What are you doing? She asked. <laughs> what are you doing here? I asked her back. Martin's mother, Gunvald, contacted me. He told me you guys had spent time together and you had told him about me. He wanted to arrange for me to come here to make you happy. You told him how much you loved me, but you are sick, dressed like a naked terrorist, doing things to yourself, watching your aunt. <laughs> but, but she's not a blood relation, I argued. I never want to see you again. Bonnie cried as she ran out the door and out of my life. Aha had shuffled away embarrassedly. They were hurriedly r- rushed into a waiting limousine. Gunvald had also organised for his brother's band to surprise me at my home to reward me for being a loyal and dedicated fan. The VH1 camera crew which accompanied them were also packing up to leave, which only left me and my family and a lot of explaining to do. Jay's lads, should have been the best day of my life. My childhood idols coming to visit me and the love of my life follow Jesus me here Busher. to be part of my life. The fairy tale ending I'd always imagined. Shocking! But no! No! As I stood there, I realised my life had turned to shite. Shite! Like it always does. Yeah! I was a fool to think the big wide world out there was any better. No! It's all shite. Shite! 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 Better to stay at home where nothing can get me. Yeah! Stay safe! Then I began to sneeze and shiver with the cold. Now I was definitely coming down with the swine flu. Yours, Busher! Oh my god, Busher! What can we say to you here on the Friday Rock Show? You've gone through the mill and come out with the clothes. It's very rare I feel sorry for somebody who writes into the Friday Rock Show. But now you're usually laughing at them. <laughs> After you spawn them out on the air, you go off sniggering in the Jackson. But, Busher, you're a poor old bastard. Okay, coming up next, we have a special feature called Behind the Music. And tonight, it's about Vixen.
Welcome, friends, to another jaunty trip down to the backside of history, when the past was the future and the present, as it was, was unrecognizable. I'm Paul Gombachuna, and you're listening to the Friday Rock Show's Behind the Music. This week on Behind the Music, a band that had a million wrists in rapture. They dared you to live with them on the edge of a broken heart. They were hot biking L.A. ladies that wanted you to rock them. Dixon. Back in 1988, Janet Gardner, Dan Kuhnemund, Roxy Petrucci, and the other one formed one of LA's most pliant, perfect, yet tight female groups, Vixen. More importantly, one year later, they were in the Friday Rock Show studios with Adrian and Tony. Hello, ladies, and welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you must have had a... Um... Big lad! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, me and Tony are getting quite busy here, so we put on a new single. This is it. Here it is on um, single, Edge of a Broken <laughs> Edge of a Broken Heart. The fabulous, brilliant single that should be number one from Vixen. Yeah. Vixen. Great times there. But it didn't last. After disappointing sales of Rev It Up, the follow-up to the eponymous debut, the band could no longer synchronize menstruation. No longer tight, they became looser, floppier, with cellulite and chill brains. It all came to a head when one holiday trip on Ibiza, the Balearic island in the Mediterranean, Janet Gardner came out of her room all naked, hot and sweaty, dying for a coke in the middle of a balmy night, only to fling open the fridge door to have it throw light on <gasps> Janet's then-boyfriend, Davey Merbury, <gasps> giving it to lead guitarist Jan Kuhneman, <gasps> all commando up the rusty bullet hole <gasps> on the fold-open couch in the kitchen. <gasps> <laughs> The metal menopause had begun. No more and a lot more stir-fry this. Janet refused to continue in the band. Maybury begged her to stay, saying he only did it because she wouldn't let him stain her marble white skin with what Jan was letting him do to her on the couch that night. Let's take you back to that fateful Friday Rock Show interview with Little Bernie asking a rather prescient question. Ask you some serious questions. So when you fell in love and I think you could spit the band up, you might want to stay with him while he's in Phoenix while you could be playing a gig the next night somewhere in like London. Um, you could you board? He'd have to come with. Really? Yeah. And it's much more exciting to be on, you know, on the road with a rock band, isn't it? I think Jan blamed it all on Janet's prudishness. Janet called Jan a whore. It was a mess. The band split up over one big stinking case of arse banditry. And now, on Behind the Music, we can exclusively reveal what has happened to Vixen. They're back! But without Janet! Here's their new single, I Try, with their new singer, Jenna Sanz Aguero. I said it myself that you wouldn't be there. Guess I get what I
Jackson there in 2009 with I Try on Behind the Music. We can gladly announce here on Behind the Music that Vixen are pregnant with a new album due at the end of this year. But what did ever happen to Janet, the sultry siren ex-singer of Vixen? Behind the Music can reveal that she's doing great. She lives in the middle of shithole Nebraska with her husband Dale Winterberry and got herself a college degree in dentistry. She now practices oral hygiene three days a week and says she's so happy. Well, Behind the Music will be booking a session for Janet to straddle the chair in her tight white uniform and massage our gums very, very soon. I'm Paul Gombatruna. You've been listening to Behind the Music. Now we'll bring you back to the Friday Rock Show's Adrian and Tony in the Rock Igloo. This one's called Swatting Flies in Wanker County. By Vixen, by the way! Ingrat. Swatting flies in Wanker County. You know? Swatting flies in Wanker County. Ingrat. Swatting flies in Wanker County. Okay, that was VH1's Behind the Music, and that was about Fixin'. The original one with Busher had to be cancelled for the reasons aforementioned. But I hope you enjoyed the Fixin' one. It was good to know what's happening with them. Yeah! I remember Fixin' they gave me the Queer Horn Agent, and that was when Viagra wasn't even tall. They did, but it's a pity about the new stuff now. They've got that contemporary depressive sound. What? what? Be shy, though. Why does everybody have to be depressed these days? 2009 it's not a good place to be. Chris Cornell's coming up later, by the way. That'll make us happy. <laughs> Hopefully. Cool. You're listening to the Friday Rock Show. Live! Live from the North, North Pole. Pole. And here we have Tash with <sighs> Steep Glaciation. More fantastic facts on the North Pole. He's a great Tash Glaciation. Tash, for you and me. Tash, Tash, geography. Steep Gradient Glaciation. Boiling planet liquidization. A question. Is there climate change? Well, certainly I have seen some arctic shrinkage here and there, but then the North Pole significantly more than the South Pole because it lies at sea level in the middle of an ocean and that ocean acts as a reservoir of heat. Are you paying attention? Winter, i.e. January. Temperatures at the North Pole can range about minus 43 degrees Celsius or to minus 26 degrees Celsius. Summer temperatures for us here on the Friday Rock Show summer special, i.e. August. Average around the fucking freezing point of zero degrees Celsius. Well, actually, it's only 32 degrees Fahrenheit. The sea ice at the North Pole is typically like Adrian's brain. Around two or three meters thick. <gasps> there is considerable variation. Sorry, Tash, and I wasn't listening. The movement like of flows exposes clear water. You know, studies have shown that the average glaciation has decreased in recent years. No! 
Seriously though, many attribute this decrease to global warming. Glaciation. Dash, dash for you and me. Dash, dash, geography. Steep gradient, glaciation. Boiling planet, liquidization. <laughs> I tell you the Friday Rock Show is full of facts, personal and safety are coming out all angles. Education can be fun too. It's not letter easy. They're coming fast and hard, like ice melting. Oh, just the way oh, I like it, Tony Wilson. Who's this? Uncle Nobber. It's a letter from Uncle Nobber. Settle down, everyone, and start to listen. Dearest brethren, hello. Glad you could read me. Climate change? Global warming? Nonsense. Some poetry, if you will. Poetry? The only warming I know is the warming of a young child coming of age as they go through the change. Uh-huh. That, my dear friends, is the taming of the shrew. The opening of the passage into the few. The learning of a little something wonderfully new. Ooh. Oh yes, it's Uncle Nobber here. I thought you boys could slide yourselves between my radar. Oh, <laughs> on Freudian slip there. And my skin does ache with memory. How long has it been, hmm? Too long, I should say. Who's this aging? Dewy eyes and ripe scent of youth Come to my heart, sweet song of truth Ah, for I gamble like a child Eyes wild upon the prairie Looking for her now As the wind cries merry You came with a shovel to bury the guilt Of hands that gripped hard upon the corners of the quilt How you missed How you cried Shovel drove in the ground Your hand at my side Her garden grew well Against the chapel wall She answered my call she never did fall. Now that I have been released, I can see the horizon of a new day. Boys, it does my soul good to see that what was once was quite the taboo has become the source of much media coverage. The flower has blossomed across the pages of the newspapers and the TV documentaries. What's he talking about? <clears throat> Not a clue. We are now moving into the mainstream of public consciousness. Never again to dwell in basements with custom-built living quarters. No! Once there was only a sect of cellar operatives with support from the church. Now it's the newest craze to lock them up. Down the suburban stairs to play happy families. It's even being touted as the latest corporate weekend team building course for frustrated managing directors. And I can see why. What with the power of a smaller hand resting inside yours, being synonymous with the controlling of a large business empire. Uh... <laughs> Come, play forest trails with your old Uncle Nobber. Follow the finger track till you can apprehend the robber. So Monday's child, they may be full of grace, but come Tuesday, they shall be put in their place. Downy creamy flesh does slide about the belt, when pressed by sweaty lust, then placed upon the felt. The duffel zips open to begin play with a scuffle, the slightest of trifles as cries turn to a muffle. Uncle Nobber here is here to soothe all your doubt. Answer my call and open your mouth. Yes, I believe a member of Westlife will be joining us for our weekly soiree down Bracken Lodge. Boys, it's been a while. You know that being top of the world is not found by going to the North Pole? It's here with me in Bracken Lodge having some tea. Answer my call. Yours affectionately as ever, Uncle Nobber, Bracken Lodge. Dirty, 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 dirty
<laughs> Uncle Robert, that'll be one invitation that we won't be taking up. Something a bit strange about that letter, but we take letters from all comers here and we do not discriminate. So, as always, keep your letters coming to the Friday Rock Show. Care of the North Pole. Okay, Tony, coming up next, we have some brand new music from Chris Cornell. He's from Soundgarden! He used to be in Soundgarden. Audio slave! He's a hot rockin' heavy metaler! The last time I heard from him, he was making music for James Bond. Yeah! This is his brand new song, (laughs) Other Side of Town, from his brand new album, Scream. Did you hear that, Tony? Did you? There's some. The ceiling has fallen in on the rocket glue. Holy shit, we have to get out of here. I gotta get the lads on to construct it like a bit better. This oh. is not going on. Oh, oh, you're back, yeah. That was uh, brand new music there from Chris Cornell. From, from Mixed by Woodland or something. No, it's Timberland. What? 
Timberland, yeah. Who's that? He should have got Jay Z in to rap on it, oh, Tony. Oh fuck that bastard! Then you'd have loved it. I'd fucking burst him. I tell you, if he was up here now, I'd bury his ass in the <laughs> snow and drive me bicycle into it. I've, I've got me Timberland boots on. I'm not keeping me little tootsies warm, though. He makes the boots as well. The horse everywhere. He does. He's worth a fortune, I'd say. Friday rock show. Friday Rock Show, live from the North Pole. It's uh, world broadcasting first. Nobody's ever made a live radio show from the North Pole. We're the first to do it. And probably the last, because... This it place. sounds like it's breaking up. The igloo is falling in, and we are in probably in very serious danger. But anyway, on with the show. Who else Pat. would be stupid enough to come up here, huh? Pat Shockensee! Pat Shockensee! Right then, ladies and gentlemen, the next one here is uh, Ice Cream Man, and it's by the Van Halen lads. Uh, from the, uh, again, from the 1970s, something like that there, when I was 12. <laughs> here we go. Dedicated oh, to the lady. Woo. Oh, Don't mind that. Really the well roof is really falling in. Well, summertime's here, baby, need something to keep you cool. Oh, summer times here, baby, need something to keep you cool. Well, look out now, though. Pat's got something for you. Tell you what it is, yeah. I'm your ice cream man and stop you wearing a person bar. I'm your ice cream man and stop you wearing a person bar. <laughs> See, all my flavors are guaranteed to stay goodbye. Hold on one more time. Got banana pops, Dixie cups. All flavors and push up too. I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when passing by. All my flavors are guaranteed to set fire. Hold on one more time. I'm usually passing by just about 11 o'clock. I'm usually passing by just around 11 o'clock. Oh, I never stop. I'm your ice cream man there. Stop me when passing by. I'm your ice cream man, never stop me when passing by. All them flavors in the band there, hold on there lads, I'll have a 99. Ice cream man. I'm your ice cream man. Ice cream there lads. Who wants an ice cream? An ice cream, Eddie. I love one. There, lads, uh, that was the ice cream man now by Van Halen, and uh, I'm still working on that one a bit. Uh, hopefully, get it for the next time we play. You're listening to BBC Radio 1 on 97 to 99 FM, live worldwide on the internet and on digital radio. We are the Friday Rock Show. The Friday Rock Show? What is this nonsense? Live! Yeah, I am a bit worried, Tony. It's melting. This thing is going to collapse in on top of it's us. It's not melting. It's not. It's cold. It's right. We it's cold. Look at your arse. It's blue. We could be. It's blue. Look Tony. at you. In the front of the underpants. I can see the cheeks are blue. Listen to me. We could be completely exposed here. We could die. I mean, fair enough. If this was Star Wars, I, I, I'd kill a tauntaun for you and I'd put your, you inside it like, and, and protect you from the cold. But it's not. We could die. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes! Welcome back to the Friday Rock Show here! You're here with the Friday Rock Show on a pioneering broadcast live from the North Pole and everything is going brilliant so far. Absolutely! Pat Shockensee there! Ice Cream Man! 
brilliant. It just doesn't get any better than that. More from Pat later, but first of all, it's a letter! Woo! Let's go! Hit the letters, 18. Open it up. Oh, why, lads? Open it up. Oh, why, lads? I don't know what your feelings are on the subjects of extraterrestrial life and visitations of Earth by unidentified flying objects, but I have recently developed a keen interest in the subject matter. Have you? I don't get as much time as I used to for messing around on the internet because I've got a full-time job. But when I do log on to AboveSecret.com, uh, through this and being a keen 40 and times reader, I have felt compelled to find out more for myself about the existence of UFOs. Have you ever seen a UFO, have you? Um, no. It's only when you go for having a piss in the middle of the night. Ah, uh, yeah. And then I trip, and then there's a flying object across the room. Uh, Two big moons in the river is you. As you know, we've got into a bit of a recession lately, but at the moment I'm working, so fuck it! I went out and bought myself a Merc. God bless the days when I only had my two feet to carry me down to the dole office during the height of the boom years. This car is an absolute dream. Finally, after all these years, I can cruise up and down the main street with the windows down and the sound system booming. I can see the young ones visibly wetting themselves as I drove past in my big, long, shiny silver Merc. Dribbling, dribbling at you. Soon I managed to find a suitably shallow bitch who only wanted me for my car. Tracy is her name, and she makes a nice accessory to sit in the passenger seat. Does she really have her? Is this the truth? Mm, <laughs> no. Is she just lying to make the letter settle It's better? a letter, it's true, it's all true. Anyhow, I discovered that Boyle in Roscommon was currently a UFO hotspot. <laughs> What's a hotspot? No, a good spot. <laughs> Only joking, lads. I got onto the UFO Ireland website and got the address of a hillside in Boyle where witnesses had seen strange lights dancing around the hilltop after dark. Tracy was complaining she was getting bored hanging around my bedroom watching Jason Stratton's DVDs. Transporter! Yeah, and wanting to do something different. So what better than a spot of UFO hunting down in Roscommon? So, I entered our destination in my sat-nav. It was a long old drive, but finally we reached Boyle. The sat-nav told me to take the next left off the main road. And the next thing you know, we were driving on narrow country back roads. That's what happens. They were wonderfully scenic though, with fields of sheep and cows on either side. Oh, nature. Tracy kept asking me if we were there yet, like some annoying six-year-old. Please take the next right, said the sat-nav. So I did. In that accident and all. Yeah. This time we ended up on a rough old country lane, which I couldn't even describe as a road. I began to feel like Indiana Jones. And no, not in that bloody crystal skull one. Tracy wondered if we were going the right way. I said I didn't know, as I was just following the sat-nav. Further up the lane, it became stony and covered with grass. Oh uh, yeah, I've seen that. Followed the road straight ahead, said the sat-nav. A small wooden fence blocked my path, but I drove the Merc straight through it. Oh, he's like Duke's Hazard or Batman! <laughs> That's right. And he mows down the fence! He doesn't give a shit, just like no. the Batman. It's big cape on him. Did Tucker have a cape in this, did he? Did this lad have a cape on him? Well, I'm going to imagine he'd he does. He'd look good if he did, didn't I'm he? I'm going to imagine he does. You, you and Radio Land, close your eyes and imagine Tucker with a big cape on him and a big jaw. Going, oh, I'm going to find the fucking UFOs. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely the wrong way, exclaimed Tracy. The sat nav can't be wrong. It talks to the satellites in space, I said. Listen, we'll follow it a bit longer. Maybe we'll meet someone and ask for directions. I'm bored, said Tracy, and starting stroking my ball sack. Ah, Next that's the way to do it. 
Oh, it's going for the sack. <laughs> Next thing I know, she janked down my tracksuit bottoms and was going down hard on me. Suddenly, the road ended with a bang. You broke her jaw. The car dropped suddenly and Tracy bit down on my cock and bashed the back of her head off the steering wheel, inflating the airbag. I couldn't see for the tears in my eyes and I was pinned back by the airbag. This must have been the most stupid thing I've ever done, at least since I gave the dog that ball that time to play with. <laughs> Next thing I know, the Merc was in the river. For a couple of seconds, I felt like Jesus driving on water. But it wasn't long before we were sinking like the fucking Titanic. We had to get out, and bloody quick. I rolled down the window, and water started pissing in. I unbuckled my seatbelt, but I couldn't move to get between the airbag and Tracy being unconscious on my crotch. We were sinking fast. Oh, no! The water started to fill the car. My dick was still in Tracy's mouth, and she wasn't waking up. Did she still have a heart on, Liddy? With the fear? <laughs> I held my breath as the car completely filled up. It started to get darker and darker as the car dropped into the murky depths of the river. My lungs were bursting, and I could feel myself beginning to pass out. Tucker's gone down the end of the Tucker, oh my god. My life flashed before my eyes. QPR winning Division 2 in 1983. PlayStation 1-3. Playing keyboards with Garage Flower. DJ Bernie and my dog running towards me. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck DJ Bernie was doing in there. Next thing, I see lights appearing in the distance. Then they get closer and closer until the windscreen became a glare. Then I lost consciousness and drifted off into the blackness. Now unlike Mulder, I don't just want to believe, I do believe! I woke up. It was morning. I was lying by the riverside with no pants on. A lot of teenagers on a school trip were taking pictures of me with their f- mobile phones. Fuck off, you vultures! It's because it likes you we lost Diana! Tracy was laying a couple of feet away from me. I shook her and she woke up. She coughed up a lungful of lake water and my semen. Oh, dirty, dirty bastard! Tracy apologised for falling asleep. But not what the, the hell had happened, lads? Well, if you ask me, I'm convinced I'm only alive here today because of extraterrestrials. <laughs> Those lights I, I seen were whatever was visiting that hillside and they rescued me from the bottom of that lake. I'm sure of it. This has made me even more determined to find the truth out there, guys. Once I can get an erection again without tearing open the wounds and get my money back from the insurance, I'm going back out UFO hunting. I'll keep you posted. In the meantime, keep watching the skies. Well, the man took her there. I'm watching the skies now, and all I can see is white. Uh, how and all you? I can see on the ground is white. How are you watching the sky, Tony? There's no there's top a, of the igloo. There's a hole in the igloo. Onwards with our historic broadcast from the North Pole. This is the Friday Rock Show, and then we've brand new music from Volbeat. We. From the album Guitar Gangsters and Galactic Cowboys, released in 2009. This is the Beatles, and Ozzy, my dear. I took her on out to the road to find a wheel. But the loneliness broke into tears. Whoa, I believe I was wrong, right, baby. Now I know you have is not a thing. You throw out in the car and walk away.
Remember last week when you couldn't find your hat? That, no. was, that was me. I'm sorry. Did, I, did you hide me hat? I'm sorry. Yeah. I am. I regret all this now. It was just a joke though. You hid my hat! <laughs> What's next, Tommy? What are we doing? Fairness <laughs> Maximus Amirus Fairness Steep gradient, polar bears. Yes, polar bears are Ooh. believed rarely to travel beyond 82 degrees north, owing to the scarcity of food like a hamburger. Though, tracks have been seen in the vicinity of the North Pole. So, careful, Adrian and Tony. In 2006, an expedition reported sighting a blind polar bear just one mile from the pole. Fucking blind? The ring seal has also been at the pole. And in these temperatures, my ring would be sealed too, I can tell you. <laughs> Fuck yes. Nah. <laughs> Next page. I have to work quickly, you know. It's like John Craven a news round. Pay attention! Birds seen at or very near the pole include the snow bunting, northern fulmar, and black legged bitch. Though some bird sightings may be distorted by the fact that birds tend to follow ships and expeditions. Uh, sorry. Ships and expeditions. Excuse me. Okay now. The North Pole is located in the middle of the Arctic Ocean amidst waters that are almost permanently covered and with Constantly shifting ice. You know, for you geography, steep gradient, glaciation, boiling planet, liquidization. Wow! There's Tash there with a few more fantastic facts on steep gradient. Alright, next up we have our guest in the studio tonight, Mr. Pat Shockensee. That's it! Freeze his arse off in the corner with a rocky glue! With another cold theme tune. Take, Take it away, away Pat! <laughs> Thanks very much, Tony and Adrian, for letting me come up and play in the North Pole. It's uh, an honour to be here, I have to say. If it's a tiny, tiny bit cold, you can do something about the, the, that there. Could you, lads? Just keep working on it! Just keep right. moving! Pat. Okay, keep and moving. Uh, just sort yeah, me out for the money afterwards, right? Yeah? Don't worry, Tony! Tony. Will. 
All right then. Now, uh, this is a special request for uh, the, the girlfriend. She always likes this one to sing it to her in the bath. Watch and it's Led Zeppelin and the Immigrant Song. And here we go, <laughs> take it right. A hand old tree car. The Immigrant Song. <laughs> We'll drive our ships to new lands Avoid the single hard-going Valhalla I am coming On we sweep With fresh and ore Our only goal will be the western shore From the land of the ice and snow, from the midnight sun where the hot springs blow. How soft you all feel, so green. Can whisper tales of war. And how we calmed the tides of war. We are your overlords. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was uh, Led and the Immigrant Song. Ladies and gentlemen, the legend Pat Shockensee. Thank you very much, Pat. Excellent there, Pat. And uh, a Led Zepp classic. While you were singing that there, I was just thinking to myself, what other tunes could you have done tonight? Maybe Trapped Under Ice, Metallica? It's coming up later, ladies and gentlemen. And you didn't know that. No, That's didn't. like one of the moments when they shove the camera in your face and say, Your wife is dead. <laughs> Score. It's time for a letter. You were reading the set list, no, weren't you? I wasn't. You never read the set list. <laughs> you were just coming to this blind. <laughs> it's Larry Okay, it's time for a letter. <laughs> hey, boys. This is Gabe. You know, I've listened to your show many times, and I gotta say, I have no idea what you guys are trying to achieve. And none of it makes sense. What is an auger anyway? Confusing or what? Are you really live from all these places? I kind of pictured you two middle-aged guys up in a shed or something with your wives downstairs tut-tutting to each other as both of you scream into an old cheap microphone. Is that it? I mean, am I right? Look at the coal in my arse! It's fucking blue! I'll We're here in the North Pole, bitch, right? If only you could see us now. In the North Pole, of all places, the North I, Pole. I got this shuffle coat off Liam Gallagher! The most biddable, ignorant, ignorant location on the entire planet. Well, maybe we could go to the Sahara Desert next time. Yeah. But that's obviously if we survive tonight. I'll send you a postcard. It's increasingly looking unlikely as every minute passes and every lump of ice falls off the rock igloo. But. That's not really happening. You got blue nose. Get out and tell the girls we'll be down soon. Nearly midnight. Get cigars and wine off them and chocolate. And we'll go down and we'll talk about mortgages. Yes. Are you down? Are you lost? Let me tell you, I've had my share of middle-aged men and I can sense the pent-up frustration here. Like, have you guys missed out on something big in life or what? I come from Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, 
Yeah, famous for being home to Mark and Mindy. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I know, I know. I'm here raising horses for stud. But I get the broken dream thing, I really do. I used to be a stripper, you know. What? Yeah, that's right. It was over in Aspen for the holiday season. I'd save up bucks for a 200-kilometer bus ride, head to Marty, who'd give me pay-to-play slot at the Spearmint for the skier guys. I don't know what's fucking fiction anymore, AJ. <laughs> I don't, I really don't. I'm snowblind. Soon I was pulling them in. Got my own residency for five months a year. I had my sister take care of the horses on the ranch, and I'd do a triangle of Boulder, Aspen, and the Springs for a full nine-month stint. You're great. On the road, Jack Kerouac got nothing on me. I've seen the flaking paint and broken picket fences, the lost opportunity of the man in the front placing his money in my belt. I guess I can say I know where you're coming from. Hey, I tell you something, though. I respect it. But you gotta go take what you can, because it won't be there forever, right? No. No use to stare at the pecker in your pants and do nada. Me, I packed up, went to Europe. Prague, man. Awesome. One day after I became manager at the Rhino, I was sitting on stage doing roster when the riggers at a steel beam drop and straight snap both my femurs there and then. Ooh, that, that sounds like a bit of a sword job. After six months and sticks, I was cracking my joints in a teacher training class. Downtown Prague. Yeah, go girl. Talk about a clean break. We were 20 strong with only four guys. That was the shit. I'm sure there's some footage of a good time still doing rounds even now. I stayed a month and encountered a smorgasbord of personalities, all searching for something. We've had ballerinas, landscapers, strippers, cruise entertainers, all searching for something. We're all in hog heaven, eating tartar steak in Lebanese restaurants as hermaphrodite belly dancers ran around us. Got couscous licked off my tits from one of my girls. What a hoot! With four malleable young men to entertain, what woman wouldn't be in her element? It sounds like, you know, for a woman's perspective, and I don't have them them often. Uh, sounds alright. <laughs> but things sure didn't work out for me there. It kind of didn't take. You know, I tried, but I guess my background may be scared of you. Dominatrix horse lady with a whip and a funny walk. Yeah, that's me. One guy said he would sleep with me, but he was afraid I'd eat him up. Well, duh, that was the idea, asshole. All hat and no cattle. He was just making excuses, shifting his attention onto that ballerina. Man, a cute-looking gelding, but she thought Monty Python was just one guy. That's stupid! Anyway, compared to half the other fried cheese-eating gals, she was fit and pretty and, well, guys tend to make, make for the ripest apples and the lowest branches, right? I think you know what I mean. He, her, and I left the Golden Star 2 a.m. Super Bowl last night. Arm in arm, down past the Spand X Commandos and Strip John Hawkers to the night trams. She was edging in my way and I was all up and ready, but she was toasted and he wanted to imply her with the butter. Mm. Oh. Yep, Bukowski he ain't. And housemate she was, so I had to endure the muffled 4am vibrations across the same room. I thought of my horses and planned my homecoming. He was a douche anyway, usual opportunist with the good eye closed. Bet he listens to the Friday Rock Show. Hey Mike! How are you? Gotta laugh, right? Huh? <laughs> yeah. So I guess the moral of all this for you boys is better take your chances when you're down. Cause even though you get kicked in the teeth and get your legs broke, hell, you got some story to tell. That's right. And speaking of stories, I would be real interested to know what the dang inaugur is. So get on your horses, cowboy, and play me some Blackstone Cherry. Gabe, the Buckle Bunny in Boulder, Colorado.
Thanks very much, Gabe, for writing uh, the Friday Rocks Lounge. Greatly little, appreciate to get the woman's point of view. A little bit of American Pie all the way up here in the North Pole. Okay, especially for you, Gabe, we have Blackstone Cherry, and this track is called Soul Creek from the album Folklore and Superstition. And why am I still doing an American accent? I don't know. Down by the river Where the lights hang from the trees Sunlight, muddy water runs between your knees. Everybody wants to be down at Soul Creek. Yeah, yeah. Baby, won't you come with me? Stone Cherry, and that was especially for Gabe. Coming up soon, we've got some more from Pat Chockensy, more letters, and more from Tasha's Steep Gradient. But now on the Friday Rock Show, live from the North Pole, it's time for Paul the Nogger. Well, hi Gabe, a uh, little bit of advice for you. Pent up, eh? Middle aged. Show up here, you fucking bitch. I tell you, I'll drive you up the ring hole and I'll bait your face into the pillow, you little bitch. Come on, see me. I'll fuck you sideways. Come on. Don't hide behind your letters, you fucking bitch. This is live. We're doing it live. We're radio stars. Fuck you. And your fucking gammy legs, I'll bind them up around your neck and I'll drive it into you until I give you the best riding you've ever had. You'll never look back. Little bit of voice there for Gabe on this week's Bull and Auger. Harder, faster, pull the nugger. 
people than Nogger. Okay, here he is, live from one night only, it's Pat Chickensy. <laughs> Chicken disease. <laughs> How's it going out there? Alright, so, I don't know how this one goes. Got to demo tape there, Will Tony. This one's called Foreigner. <laughs> You're gonna be blown and away it's now. it's by a band called Cold as Ice. You ready there? One, a two, Cold a as one, ice. two, three, four. Hold me high, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we don't have the rocking in You're willing to sacrifice our love. You're as cold as ice. You're never paid in price. Someday you'll pay the price, I know. I've seen it before. It happens all the time, and you're closing the door. <laughs> there you go, worldwide exclusive, Mr. Pat the Fingerer Shockenzy with Cold as Ice live from the North Pole, only here on the Friday Rock Show. Yeah! Do yeah, half a biscuit, Eugene? Look, uh, we only have half a biscuit rationing from the BBC. They sent us up here with a huge amount of equipment, lots of building equipment to make this igloo, and half a biscuit. No thanks. Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! Time for a letter! Yeah. Adrian and Tony, thought hey. you might be interested in the latest news about our old friend Jagger. <laughs> With the exploding population in Rathrum, our local secondary was struggling to cope with the demand for classroom places. It was looking like the chemistry teacher was going to have to take classes in the boiler room. Principal Wrigley had to get an extension onto that school. But he needed to find funds, and fast. Yeah. He needed an idea that would capture the village's imagination. What could he think of? This leads us to our friend Jagger. Out of the blue, Jagger receives a call from Principal Wrigley with a suggestion. It was a good day for the call, as Jagger had just picked up the new prescription of happy pills from the doctor. <laughs> he had been suffering from depression since his music had not worked out. Now, Jagger had been concentrating on his music while all around him, and everybody he knew seemed to move on and leave him behind. But now, the fog was lifting. He had ditched the dope and was feeling positive about doing something else. The doctor was sorting his head out. That was when Wrigley rang. 
How's it going, Jagger? It's our old principal, Sean Wrigley, here. Oh, Rob, some of your seven-up. For the first time, Jagger felt no shame at his lack of achievement since he left those school doors. It was all about the future now. Was he ever in school? Everything's great, Sean. I'm thinking straight for the first time in years. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about studying to become a landscape engineer. I can't wait to get things going, yeah? That's great to hear, son. I'm happy for you. Listen, <laughs> the reason I'm calling is that I have a proposal for you. I want to organise a fundraiser to build an extension to the school. And I was hoping you'd get your old band, Garden Flower. <laughs> garage Flower? Yeah, yeah. Get Garage Flower back together for us and play a, a, a gig in the Memorial Park. I know the kids used to like it, and I reckon a one-off gig would get everyone interested. Your old gigs are the sofa legends in the pubs around the town. Oh, I've got the Ballygan Ramblers to support us and everything. I don't know what to say, Sean. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I'd definitely be on for that. Yeah. <laughs> Life is a funny way of surprising even the oldest and most cynical of old farts. From nowhere, Jagger had a golden opportunity to resurrect his music career. <coughs> ah, excuse me. Over the next few days, he would excitedly try and contact all the old band members and get this show on the road. Tucker dusted off his keyboard. Baldy was to play bass again after recently returning from Rome. His mind was buzzing with ideas of which songs to play. He might even revamp some of the old crazy shit he came up with during his wilderness years, whilst off his tits. That's Jagger now, not Baldy. <laughs> I don't know if Baldy ever got off his tits. Judging by some of the letters he's wrote in over the last five years, maybe he has! Unfortunately, he couldn't switch off, and ended up not being able to sleep. The doctor had to give him some sleeping tablets to help. <laughs> but the pressure started to grow. The old lead singer of the group, who had once had the voice of an angel, now sounded like an old fag hag after years of token the reefer had taken its toll on her vocal cords. She promised to cut down on the smokes and booze and take some special herbal remedies to heal her throat. It would all be fine by the time of the gig. They started rehearsing every night, but Jagger was struggling. The five or six sleeping pills were making him dopey. The lead singer was able to get him some uppers from one of her dodgy sources. And soon Jagger was bouncing around the stage like a young rock god again. That's it! Toys made of lead! Bouncing off the walls too. These things had Jagger on the ceiling. It wasn't too long before the demon started dancing again. And he would find himself partaking in the odd post-rehearsal doobie to bring himself back down to earth. I said, Jagger, you need to come down after the big highs that you were having. The old bad habits were returning fast, but so was the magic. Yeah. At least it seemed to them. Wrigley was on the phone looking to arrange the gig for next weekend, but it was too soon. Jagger wanted it put back. It was still too soon for him. The old nagging doubts were starting to creep back in too. One night Jagger had popped a handful of uppers and was flying around the stage like Bon Jovi without the wires, when suddenly he slipped on a pool of Baldi's spilled tango orange and fell off the stage. No! <laughs> the doctor told him he had sprained his wrist. This was potentially a disaster of epic proportions, but with the help of some pain-killing injections before rehearsal, Jagger could play on. But it wasn't long before the next drama, and when Baldi started hitting some bum nose, it all kicked off. As it does now. Fuck's sake, Joe! Stay in fucking time, you sick pig! Ah, how can you tell that when you're off your face? I just get the fuck out of my band, you little toe rag. You always wore useless. Fine, see how he's getting on finding a new bass player. Baldy stormed out, and Jagger started wheezing. <laughs> I'm fine, lads. I need me nail a bottle. Wrigley calls. It has to be the next weekend. It's the only night the village will have two guards on duty at the same time. Besides that, Wrigley has sold every single one of the 300 tickets that went up for sale. The next night after rehearsals, Jagger sits with what's left of the band and smokes a fat one. The demons weren't just dancing anymore, they were singing to him. He had been up all night laying down bass tracks on the synthesizer to replace Baldy. He confessed to me that he didn't think that he could do it for Saturday night. You can't give up now, I told him. 300 people are going to be let down. Not to mention the school. No, yeah, you're right, yeah. No, we'll do it. It's going to be the best night ever. 
Yeah, pass me the spliff, man. We need to celebrate. <laughs> Jagger staggered out of the rehearsal studio and into the night. His mind was whirring, jumping from extremes of excitement to a deep gut-churning fear. So he sucked on his inhaler. The euphoria of imagining himself on stage in front of a worshipping crowd was heightened by some quick pulls off a joint. Home at last. A cup of tea, some munchies and some sleeping tablets so he could get some shut-eye. As Jagger crashed around the kitchen, he was startled by his dad, unhappy to have been disturbed from his slumber. Son! Son! What the fuck are you doing? It's half two in the morning! <laughs> Sorry, Dad! Just getting some tea! Ah, fuck it! Look at you! You lutricon! You spilt milk all over the good kitchen floor! Sorry, Dad! Just a bit shaky! A few nerves before the gig! Look at you! You're a mess! Are you back on the smoky stuff? I knew it! You fuck this gig up like you fuck up everything else! Damn Sean Wrigley, filling your head with shy again! Get the fuck out of me kitchen before you feel me boot leather on your arse! You know, Dad! Would it hurt you? Wants to support me? Why can't you believe in me? Cause you don't believe in yourself. Fuck you, Da! When this gig is a success, I'm going to record again and make money and get the fuck away from you! Jagger's face contorted in shock. He clutched his chest. Son, what's wrong with you? There was no reply. Jagger stood there briefly with legs wobblier than Grobbler. Then he collapsed to the floor and lay there, lifeless and still. His father yelled to his mother to get a doctor! Dr. Ignatius Listless was summoned from a late-night lock-in at the Cartoon Inn to get to the Jagger household. Although worse for wear after several brandy imports, it didn't take long for Dr. Listless to diagnose what would seem to be painfully obvious. The local musical legend Jagger had passed away at 2.22am. What? Listless reckoned it was the stress of Wrigley's Memorial Park gig, coupled with a lethal cocktail of antidepressants, sleeping pills, painkillers, spliffs and ventolin that had stilled his young heart. No, no! Word spread quickly across Facebook and via text message to shocked old friends and former schoolmates that his deep, hearty wheeze would never echo through the village again. I can't believe this, man. Arrangements were made swiftly. He would be laid to rest on the family's land at the back of the house. Jagger often roamed these acres alone, musing to himself for many hours. In fact, many people described him as disappearing off to his own Jagaland. The day arrived of the wake. Jagger was laid in the sitting room of the family home, his favourite guitar standing beside the casket. Old ladies remarked how handsome he looked. Young cousins wondered if his hair was real. Hushed sniffles came from every corner of the room. His father spoke of how proud he was of him and pointed to his recent planned charity work as one of his qualifications for sainthood. <laughs> you know, it was weird seeing his pale, lifeless body lying there as I paid my final respects. The time grew near for the lid to be put on the casket and then for him to be taken to his final resting place. Suddenly, Jagger sat bolt upright. His brother Moldy puked. His mother puked. The children started screaming. A guy beside me whipped out his phone and started recording it. I couldn't move. Jagger clambered out of his coffin, flailing about like a newborn deer. He stood upright, swaying slightly, a glazed look in his eyes. He grabbed his guitar. One of his young cousins scrambled to plug it in. He raised his arm in the air, then swung it down towards the strings. He then unleashed the power chords of Black Sabbath's Iron Man. Jagger had made his comeback. The greatest comeback of all. He had come back from the dead. (laughs) 
But as it turns out, Jagger had not been dead at all. The cocktail of drugs he had taken had sent him into a deep sleep, slowing his heart and breathing down to an almost undetectable level. Undetectable at least to an inebriated Dr. Listless. Jagger's father soon brandished a hurley to his amp and dragged him <laughs> from centre stage, threatening him to kill him for putting his mother and family through such grief. And then he went into the corner and cried. <laughs> Obviously, you wouldn't be 100% after being catatonic for three days, so Jagger could not play the gig in the Memorial Park. Instead, Garage Flair's place was taken by a new young bunch of hairy music makers. They dedicated their songs and gig to the legend of Jagger, who briefly made an appearance to say hello to the crowd. <laughs> Perhaps it was for the best that Garage Flower never played. At least this way they were remembered as a great band through word of mouth from the rose-tinted memories of the older generation. But now, Jagger's messianic return has whetted the appetite even more for people to hear their music. So surely they will play again soon? At this very moment he's locked away somewhere in Jaggerland composing. He never gave up on the music. He's got another big chance and this time Jagger's gonna take it. Never surrender! Yours, Yuri O'Connor, Jagger's best mate. <laughs> oh, thanks a minute, Yuri. Woo. Well done, oh, Yuri. That's good. brilliant. I was nearly scared shitless there. There was brown ice <laughs> in the I was worried there that I was uh, announcing something really bad live on air there. There was an awful smell in the igloo. Shocking. But glad Jagger's back. We look forward to his new stuff. After all that stress, I need a break. So what better way to have a break than by listening to some chicken foot with turning left. Linder.
Yeah, that was a band called Chicken Foot and that was a brand new super group. Actually, the dream team there had Sammy Hagar, Joe Satriani, some that added Chili Peppers. And Michael Anthony on bass. Yeah. You're the man on the rock scene. You know your stuff, though. That's the hot... Every night before you go on a show, you end up on Wikipedia, don't you? But except you're not looking about rock band history. You're looking at pornography. Okay. To, um... to escape you from your blushes. <laughs> okay, on with the show because it's getting extremely cold here and uh, we got to get out of here. And that ice seems to be melting. Do you want some more ice in your tea? Yeah, please, yeah. Okay. Here's Laird now first. Thank you very much, Tony. Who, who, who? Linda. Hiya. Wow. There's a fact now, huh? The Friday Rock Show boys are still on the go. Blimey now. I tell you, he's a great no messing. I listen, tell you, we are. Listen, after the last time I wrote, he's about hubby Michael's psychological meltdown and him getting into painting naked young ones and calling me a fat whore with flabby tits, I had a major sit down with myself and decided that was it. Mm. Yes, sir, I did it. You know, especially after my dad's funeral when Michael drank a gallon of Guinness and threw up my dad's open face in the casket. That was the end. I had put up with that for far too long. So I decided to go back to school. Really, Linda? <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, I was chuffed. Friends said I shouldn't have just divorced the husband, but sure he'd hunt me down, chop me up and feed me to his new pig so he would. <laughs> He's into the home farming now. God love him. No, it was better to get an education so to handle the worst extremes of Michael's personality. I know, it was staring me in the face for so long. I'm such an eat, really. Well, no more, sister. I've rolled up me dungaree sleeves and got on an evening co- adult learning course in Avondale College. Two hours ago, three nights a week. I couldn't get psychologically that I wanted, so I took theatre instead. Sure, I was the only one left after I arrived late for the sign-up. Thanks to Michael throwing the car keys down the toilet and doing one of his big ones on top. <laughs> well, the first class we married teacher, Lorcan Glyneborn, fresh from a two-month stint on the boards, as he said, in Thailand. <gasps> Would you believe that now? I was amazed. Old Mr. Clippity Clops was out far east, giving it mighty to the locals. I tell you now, I was sold. This was me. I'll give up the part-time cleaning for Tom Shurgar and be in costume every night. Waiting for Godot, King Lear, the vagina monologues. Lorcan took a shine to me instantly. He said I had a powerful face with such emotion in history. Well, a few slaps will do that to a girl. <laughs> he gave me a costume and told me to change. God, I haven't slept into a dress since the funeral. I was mortified. But this was the moment to prove to myself that I was making the right choice. To hell with the sister-in-laws, Dury and Fifinicida. <laughs> who said I was mad and a big dopey fool who should know her place and well fuck off then I snatched the costume and I headed to the cubicle to change now I used to remember trying on clothes back in the day when I had an arse worth looking at but this was all new mirrors on three sides with the kind of swinging panels that you'd see in the western saloon bars I tell you now and Norkin was outside changing too I could see him in the mirror Holy God, he had a sausage on him that had put any fella to shame. A big fat one with a bulbous vein forced its way down through the lint to the helmet. I nearly wet myself. He there parading around the room, rehearsing his lines of a non-stitch on him. His dangling bell launching itself from hip to hip had me mesmerised. I'd never seen such majesty, Adrian. Honest God. I tell you, the rest of the evening was only a blur. I changed, we rehearsed, we practiced, Lorcan taught us, we laughed. 
I made new friends, but all I could think about was gliding boards, massive pulsating cannon. The next class, Lorcan said, my womanly appeal had disappeared under the exposing miniskirt and blouse that I wore. A slutty suit, he called it. And that the amount of makeup would do a clown justice, but not me. He said I let myself down. I ran out of room crying. How dare he say that? I went into the swimming hall next door. There were some classes. I had the one piece on under my slutty suit. You never know when you might need it. So I went for a dip. Larkin came into the hall to find me. He, he oh, mo- I did. Careful. <laughs> he motioned again, smiling, and walked to the poolside. His white canvas trousers, bollocks. <laughs> Don't mind me, losing it now after Larkin's big bell end. Larkin came into the hall to find me. He motioned to get out of the pool and come back. I shook my head. He motioned again, smiling, and walked to the poolside. His white canvas trousers seemed almost invisible and he was going commando. His huge langers must have been strapped to his leg with sellotape. I tell you, it looked like a hairy old weasel. <laughs> My eyes followed till he came to the pool ladder. I suddenly got all giddy and wanted to spring up from the water like in La Dolce Vita. But the years had held me down, so all I could do was crack two of my toes in the ladder. I yelled. Larkin caught my sagging torso. Ah, the pain. I'd broken the margarine. I'm such a stupid cow. I went into a hephrodeptic shock right on Larkin's immaculately pedicured and hairlessly bronzed toes. I felt like Mary Magdalene. He hauled me over onto my back. I tell you now, it's been a long time since a man has had me in that position, Adrian. Michael just likes firing a quick one from behind over the kitchen table to set set myself up for the morning. Larkin pushed on my chest and drove the gob on me. I was half gone, but at first third the juice right out of me. God, I feel so dirty writing this. Anyway, I spelled the H2O in response and Lorcan carried me out to the courtyard like in that scene from an officer and a gentleman. Love, love lift us love up where we belong. I tell you. Oh, the ambulance fellas did me up a tree with big bandages on me broken tootsies and I managed to sneak back home before the old bruiser himself returned from the tea. Curse fuck on it. <laughs> Lorcan said he would hold a place for me on the course when I was fit and ready and I should not take any notice of his cruel mocking of my dress sense. But he was right, Adrian. I am a frumpy dumpster. Well, that's all going to change. You watch this space. A woman is going to become bursted again. First off, I'm going to hit the gym. With that savage tool in my mind, I will become all woman again. Wish me luck, lads. Loving stuff. Linder. It's great to see that you're trying to get a hold of your future. Well done, the old Jones are there. Still writing the letters after all these years, huh? It's time for more Tash and Steep Gradient, episode four. Steve's a gradient. Tash, Tash, for you and me. Tash, Tash, geography. Steep gradient, glaciation, boiling planet, liquidization. Are you paying attention? Recently. Scientists have predicted that the North Pole may become seasonally ice-free by 2050 due to that problem of Arctic shrinkage. Yeah, 
Pull your socks up, North Pole God. Even more pessimistically, it was claimed by some scientists that the Arctic ice cap might temporarily disappear in mid-2009. Well, listen, here we are at the Friday Rock Show Summer Special in August 2009, and the thing is still here. No, seriously, it's still here. Look at it, I can touch it. Our prediction, which so far has not come to pass on December the 15th, 2008. The Irish Science TV series Daily Planet hosted our savior, the Bifopotamus, reported that scientists now predict that the ice cap could now melt away by 2014. And that Ireland would be the only Ireland left in the British Isles. Finally, qualification for the Champions League. Lazy dash, dash, for you and me. Dash, dash, geography. Radiation, boiling planet, liquidization. Yes! The final segment from Tash is coming up later on in the show. Okay, the, the igloo is crumbling around us now, and I'm getting really worried. So, let's press on with the show very quickly, because we need to get the fuck out of there. It's it, it's it, I, no, even I'm disturbed. And I'm usually oblivious to most things, <laughs> as you know. You're all, you've been disturbed since the start, Tony. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but here's the lazy. Time for the letter! The are being stuck together with ice! I can only open it a little bit! Salutations, rock soldiers. Keep the fake King Barney, yes for sure. Shawnee Van Vesterhagen here, Adrian. How goes it? I hear you guys are liking the North Pole. That's so cool. As we say in the country, Tasty is just one finger long, you know? I like to listen to the radio for my kicks, you know? I like all the latest shit, guys. I like the Lady Gaga, Miley Cyrus, and you're the Jonas brothers. Get in, score the goal, you rock. There's like Mick, John and Adrian Donis, right? They play awesome. They like to have their own studio and everything up their own bloody like community of Jonas Brothers and shit. I even moved near them to be within the frequency of genius. High trees catch a lot of wind, you know? But these guys are crashy, like actually crashing cars, man. I see Jonah Jonas and he's fucked up in the face, man. Like a scissor hands cut him up. Drove too fast down by the Avondale Woods and says, like, Listen, listen, I hit something straight on, man. Straight out of nowhere. BAM! I don't know, like, what it was, he said. Wow, can you dig that? I needed to roll a fat one to conceptualize the moment. I told him to write a song about it. He said, yeah. I said, fuck yeah. Adrian was speeding sticks out back, and Mick was covering shoulders with the keyboards in the back garden. Jay just started synchronizing the song. Can you see that? <laughs> John Jonas singing pure lines of gold, man. Like, get this, listen, listen. Video girl rocked my world for a whole two seconds. And now I'm about to be another victim of the video girl syndrome. Yeah, it rocks. Oh yeah, I get it. Such a brave allegory of the crash, man. Like, video girl is the thing that Joan goes, hit straight out from out of nowhere. She's fucking cut him up bad, and he like never saw it coming. That's so deep. Yes, for sure, Adrian. Tell fucking trees, woo. But then you know Mick is like the, the sensitive artist of the group and he storms off the lawn cause Adrian missed the beat and Adrian's wife is crying at him to come inside and I shit I like I say to her Listen, listen, Audrey, the best boatsmen are stuck on the beach, yeah? 
So like, shut the fuck up. We're experiencing genius here. Don't mess it up. Mick will wash his face, be back out. Maybe they'll all fight and roll around in the gravel a little. But come on, this isn't the process, bitch. Our youngsters go sit in the flower bed and distract her. And the band are back playing in no time. I'm rolling again and eating another sausage. <laughs> like Green Anne is alive, yeah? That's it. The sun rises for free, man. You got lemonish? Make lemonade. This here is the old fucking sea, Orange County. Woohoo! Keep the fate, Adrian. Blame me some good shit like Johnny Cash. Yours in the Wicklow Wilds. Shawnee Van Vesterhuisen. Of Lieben Scheisen Heights, Green Anne. We are a truly international show, broadcasting live from the North Pole and getting some letters from our Dutch friend, Shawnee Boy. Now, you thought they were dead? We thought they were dead. Frankly, I hoped. But no, they're back. It's Alison Chains with a looking in view. Dear Rock Eagle, and I'll pull my wires. 
You are listening to Adrian Byrne and Tony Wilson. This is Adrian Byrne here. Um, If anybody's listening out there, maybe even on the BBC World Service. Shortwave. We're doing the Friday Rock Show in the North Pole. That's live from the North Pole, as in right now. We we help us. We need somebody to come and get us now, because it. Our igloo is, has melted and uh, the snow is coming in. I've no red flares. I don't know how much power we have left. I mean, maybe enough to do the show. Uh, uh, not, not, not enough to keep us warm for the night. So if somebody out there, please, could come and get us. Uh, <laughs> where's Tash? He's a great Tash, Tash, for you and me. Tash, Tash, geography, steep. Gradient, glaciation, boiling planet, liquidization. Right, the sea depth at the North Pole has been measured. Oh yes, we got her out to do it yesterday. Now listen, it's been measured at time for a number thump. Oh, 4.261 meters. In other words, 13.908 thousand feet. If you're listening, the nearest land is usually said to be Cafe Kluben Island, off the north coast of Greenland, about 700 kilometers, or in other words, 440 miles away. Okay, that's about it for me, Norman Tash. I hope you have had your socks up and learning with me all about the North Pole. I'll be asking questions in the bar later, especially you, Mary. Thanks to all the team here at Steep Gradient and the kind permission of the Friday Rock Show to use the rock igloo for this wonderful advancing of geography. Okay, now back to Bird <laughs> in the Cold on the Friday Rock Show. <laughs> Excuse me. Lazy dash, dash for you and me. Dash, dash, geography. Steep gradient, glaciation, boiling planet, liquidization. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Tash has collapsed. <laughs> He's gone mad. Quick, wrap him in some blankets there, Tony. Quick. He's going to go into hypothermia. Oh, God. Quick, Pat. Pat, before the power goes, one more from you, old mate. Okay, lads, this one's called uh, Metallica. Strapped under ice. Oh. It's all the metalers. Ice. Ice. Jesus Christ. Oh, he lives here in the red 
shouted, voice glass here directly at them. From there and sleep, we're frozen away, and no one knows here what to say. I'm probably trapped under ice. Freezing, can't move at all. Freezing, I can't feel my call. I'm dying to live and crying. I am living trapped under ice. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a special inclusion in tonight's catalogue for uh, all the metalers out there. I hope you like that. Thanks very much, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls, for coming to the show tonight. And uh, it's been a truly a, a pleasure, one of the high points of my uh, long career to play here. I've played all over now, I have to say, all over Wicklow, and someone Carlo the odd time now and again, you know, baggage town, that. But tonight, has been a real a pleasure and oh thanks very much yeah no i'm yeah just after this i'm doing the speech I'm doing the speech hang on a minute yeah uh, anyway so uh, thanks very much again to tony and adrian for inviting me up to the north pole i've had a great time and uh, what time is margie's bus leaving at to get us back over here i don't know is it going to margie is it your lad all right okay two pounds is it okay why are you paying me all right okay good night thank you Mr. Pat Chucknessy, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, say thanks a million for Pat for travelling all the way to the North Pole, risking life and limb for his historic broadcast on the Friday Rock Show. Yep, the show you've been listening to has been live from the North Pole. Thanks everybody for listening, thanks everybody for writing in, thanks everybody for organising yourselves. It's been a magnificent day! As ever, yes, thanks to everybody for the support and your letters and your texts. And Good night! Okay, let's finish off with some ACDC and a very appropriately entitled tune, Black Ice. Because when Tony has the beginner shite, that's the way he's going to be leaving the ice up here in the North Pole. Come on! 
Am I a cruel bastard? No, try it again. <laughs> am I cruel and a bastard? Ooh. The howler monkeys next door spurred her on to lift her her up to the ex- uh, blah, blah. <laughs> mm. The blub shone bare at her sw- <laughs> The blub. <laughs> anyway, if the townsfolk got a whiff of whiff that you were gay, you would most likely take it uh, bollock! <laughs> <laughs> multi-million album of the same name Black Eyes that's it I'm afraid we've come to the end of another Friday rock show thanks a million for listening tonight I'd like to thank my producer Tony Wilson thank you very much Jason I'd like to thank all the letter writing contributors uh, Baldi Alberto Johnny Van Vesterhan Shawnee everyone Tucker Jack thanks a million for Pat for making the trek up to the North Pole and as ever thank you for listening see you soon and we must stand God oh no, that's the wrong one What's that noise? Tony!